Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Venus and Mars podcast. You've got your host, Anya Shack here. And today's topic is one that eludes every single one of us, I'm sure. And that's what do men and women really want? So this topic is interesting, and I'm excited to introduce my guest here shortly that's going to be exploring this with me. I learned something that I thought was interesting. When communicating with the opposite sex, it seems that we're always using our amygdala, and that's our fight or flight brain. Meanwhile, (laughs) we're not using our prefrontal cortex, which is our cognitive brain, our intelligent brain. So that means that we're treating each other at this instinctual level like adversaries. And that's where I think a lot of the tension lies when it comes to understanding each other. So the journey that I've gone on is this journey of not only being able to understand the opposite sex, but also admire and respect where they're coming from, why they do what they do. And I was so excited when I first checked out the content of our guest here today, because I actually said to myself, how is this man in my brain? Like, how does he know exactly what I'm thinking? And it led me to go on this bit of a journey on getting to know him and connecting with him and understanding that he too has gone through a lot in his life in order to be able to coach women as powerfully as he does and understand things about women that a lot of men do not. So I'm so excited to introduce Sydney Scott. Welcome. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Of course. How are you today? I'm great. (laughs) Awesome. So I can't wait to explore. Before I dive in, why don't you just tell everybody who you are, where you're at, and what you're up to these days? Yeah, I am Sid. I am you, and you are me. And we're love. That's, That's what we are. That's who I am. And I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And in terms of what I do... Uh, I help women live their best life, you know, however that looks for them and whatever stands in between them and that version of themselves that they'd like to become. I get my sword, I get my tools, I get my presence and we figure it out. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. That leads me to what's your favorite thing about women? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh, my goodness. There's so many things I love about women, but my favorite thing about women is like, the softness. Mm. I, w- I would say the, so- the the soft, the softness and the the tenderness paired with like this infinite amount of wisdom is like definitely my favorite. I don't know if you've ever been around like a very potent older. Now I'm saying older just to you know, so we know on the spectrum of ages, right? Like whatever. Uh, but like woman who just is just so wise and so soft and so nourishing and she'll just help you get your whole life in such a way that you feel like you can just get back out there and make it happen, you know? Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> the first person that comes to mind for me is just Alison Armstrong. Mm-hmm. You know her? I've never heard the name. She's she's the woman that she does lots of work around men and women. She's like written all these books called like In Sync Between the Sexes, like Understanding Men, Understanding Women. She's got this like wise, feminine, grandma, nurture energy. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest, like when it comes to, you know, masculine and feminine, 
you know, it's, I haven't like read books or I haven't really studied the subject. It's, it's just kind of things I've just picked up along the way, you know? So I'm not like familiar with like a lot of the names who are like prominent or create, you know, content around us coming together like that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because you, you just have like an innate wisdom in that. And um, I think that's so beautiful. I think there's a lot of men coaching men. There's a lot of women coaching women, but there's something really special that happens when the someone of the opposite sex can see another and they can kind of admire and respect them in such a way that they want to bring the best out of them. I feel like that's what you do. Yeah, for so, sure. I mean, that's, that's what women have done for me. I've actually seen, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot more women that coach men though, than I have seen men coach women. I don't, I don't, I have some ideas as to why that probably is, but. Hmm. Fascinating that that's the perception you have. I have the exact opposite one. No kidding. Yeah. Cause I've always, I'm always like, God, I see men coaching women everywhere. My coach was a man is a man. So, but where's the other. And so that's why in my world where I have been able to see men as these wonderful wonderful people to admire and respect for who they are and i have a beautiful like description of why i think men are so amazingly supportive and generous when they're at their best that's become my like come from as well for coaching men well i guess i meant exclusively yeah i know I most of the coaching space is male right. but i meant like men who come out and draw that line in the sand and say i work with women um, but if that's the case for you, that's awesome. I should, I would, I would like to see these guys. I love that. No, but you're, you're right. I like the way that you drew this, the, the line in the sand. Like what actually had you do that? I'm curious, like where mm. did that come from? I drew the line in the sand at one point, but it was kind of like, I sort of drew it and I left some, you know, gaps in the line. You know, I left a little bit of uncertainty in the line, a little wishy-washiness. So it wasn't like this perfect, clear line. It was like two inches of a line and then a gap and then like three inches of a line. And, you know, it was just kind of like some stuff could pass over the line if it wanted. That was kind of the energy around it, right? I'd say I primarily work with women. And one of these women that I'm telling you about that just is like just potent, you know, just anyways... Uh, I went to one of her, like she had like an intimate pop-up event in, in Dallas. So when I heard about it, I got a ticket to Dallas, you know, and I was there in a couple of days. Oh, is she based in Dallas? No. Oh. She was just in Dallas okay. checking out. She was checking out a hotel for one of her major conferences in the future, but I'm just, we're connected. So anyways, she's like, yo, like I, you know, meet up with a few people. Uh, we can just talk and, and whatever. Anyways. So... She had me come to the front of the of the room and she was like, you know, tell them what you do. And I was like, OK, you know, I primarily work with women. And she's like, stop. I was like, OK, what am I stopping for? And she's like, why do you say it like that? Mm. And she just really confronted me like energetically, mm. you know, basically just like holding up the light, the shine you know, on the, on the holes and the certainty and the confidence of like, why do you say it like that? Why don't you own it? Basically was the question. Mm. Why aren't you owning it? And I had never really received permission from you all to own it in that way before. 
And so she was like, listen, you all have gotten to hear a little bit from Sid while we've been here. You know, you could feel him. You can see him. Uh, do you like do you all look in his eyes and do you feel safe and, and can you trust him? Like, raise your hand. Like every woman, it was all mostly women in the room, you know, because she mainly works with women. All the women raised their hands. And I was like, whoa, just having like the visual of it, of like the permission. Right. I was just like, whoa, OK. Um, and so from that moment on, that's when I was like, okay, no, like I've, I've gotten the, the, the blessing, so to speak, like the permission to really just own it and just say that that's what I'm about. And, and that's what I do. I didn't, I didn't feel like I could really do, say it before. Mm. Um, so, so that was a very, you know, eye opening uh, experience for me. And that's not how I got into coaching women, but that's what helped me really ground myself in it because she basically looked at me like what the fuck are you talking about like when you like what is this she's like she can see me she's like i know you so why are you holding back i know you i know what you're about so like why are you doing this and no one can call a man on his shit the way that like in a, a, a very conscious woman can so <laughs> it like walks i was like okay <laughs> Wow. That's what, so out of the two things, like out of what you shared, I feel like there's two things that kind of popped out of me. One is like, I think most women really are not privy to the amount of power that their energy can have at all, specifically their energy. And they also don't realize that men are way more sensitive to our energy than we think. Like maybe they can't put it into words, but they can tell if like whatever it is that we're feeling, what we're doing, what we're what we're about. Will we be supportive or not? Will we be manipulative or not? They can tell based on just energy alone, no words. And this is something I've learned about men over the years. And what do you have to say about that? Yeah. Do you feel that? <laughs> oh, 100%. I absolutely feel that. I mean, every single woman that has ever worked with me works with me because they've yet to understand how powerful they are. And then once they do, it's like just mm. off to the races with whatever it is that they really desire. And that part about us men being able to really sense and feel and perceive, I think a lot of men just have a hard time articulating it and they have a hard time deciphering what's going on in their emotions as to why they don't want to call this woman back or why they don't want to pursue anything further or why they don't necessarily want to commit. Like, I just don't think that there's a lot of awareness, but there is a sense, right? There is a sense. And I can totally, totally sense it. Just, you know, being where I am now with the perspective that I have now, yeah. we are super sensitive to it. And, and the, the woman I'm with right now, she's like, I've never, She's like, I've never known this, but she's like, it's like, you're just so tapped into everything that's happening inside of me. And I'm like, yeah, cause I can, I can feel it, you know? And, 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 and it, it stirs me, you know, it, it's just, I, I want to be inside of it. I want to know what's going on in there and then I can feel it, you know? It's amazing. You know, listen, I made a lot of mistakes to learn these lessons and I can just like, a good example might be a scenario in which like in the past, perhaps I was like overly kind and nice. And like, I did really nice things for a man, but energetically I was super needy 
And like, I was attached to what he thought about me. And it was so confusing because I was doing all these nice things and I didn't understand like my father wounds and what I had to deal with on an internal level. And he couldn't verbalize it either. He just wasn't into it. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit, that is so important for people to learn. Yeah, it is. I used to be the same way. Like I used to be the the prototype for like the nice guy, like, oh my gosh. And I was just always bending and like shape-shifting to try and be like, what does she want? You're like, what does she like? Like on some real like nasty perverted type energy that I wasn't aware of, um, but that's just how I was moving. And I couldn't ever understand. And I'd get so frustrated. Like, doesn't she see, you know, how nice I am? And doesn't she see of the things that I'm willing to do for her and the depths of this and that and the understandings like, and she takes me for granted. And it's like, she doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just all these things that we create in our head, trying to get something, right? Try, trying to get something. And we both do it in our own different ways. And it's, it's such a turnoff. I mean, it can be, it can be a really big, turn off you know and i think what you're talking about is like you had to come to a place where you understood what was what was your motivation for doing all these things for guys you know and and what were you expecting something in return absolutely yeah it was for sure like the void of love like just wanting to be loved like even if this person was compatible with me to be honest like it was like total like it was like this one umbrella you know people people like to say what are the five things like you should do to get men to the, to like you? What are the five things you should do or you should stop doing to like get the opposite sex to see you? And it's like, none of that matters if you change your behavior, if you still have this like underlying reason why you're behaving the way you are. And I think my underlying reason was like the, just the abandonment wounds and just like trauma around my dad, not seeing me or, not being available, being super cold. And so I like loved all these super cold, distant men. And I would just try to like do all these things for them because I thought I could get them to, you know, love me. Like my dad couldn't show mm-hmm. pretty much it, like pretty much, you know, one oh one therapy, but um, it just reflected in so many ways, like pedestalizing people, like, worrying about them more than myself, just really like, like you said, just like lowering myself in such a way that like, I wouldn't want myself. What, what would mean anybody else would? Yeah. It was real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do that. We, we do that in, in that we, we act in ways that we're so unaware of that just demonstrate how little we love ourselves. Yeah. And that has always felt from people, not even romantically, just in yes. general. Yes. You know, people, people feel that. And it, it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So. You totally can't unsee it. And I think in that journey, I learned so much about men, like in my 18 situationships, back to back to back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, situationships. <laughs> That's a whole episode in, in itself. Wow. <sighs> Yeah, man. So really proud and grateful for the journey. And now I can see men in such a way that is so unattached 
And I just want to pause for a second because yeah. I want I want everyone to understand what you just said. And you said you're so proud and grateful for the journey. I think a lot of people, when they're on this journey of discovering themselves and becoming more aware of changing changing their behaviors and things of like that, they, they like always receive this new information and perspective and insight and, and use it as a justification to shame themselves or judge themselves or beat themselves up and pushes on their perfectionism and, and all of these things. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like increasing your awareness and having a desire to grow and to change and, and to be better is something to be so proud of and something to have fun with and something to really savor and enjoy. And I just want to recognize you for, for that. And I, I hope that everyone who listens to your stuff or, or anyone's stuff out there that inspires them to, to make changes or adjustments or, or even just go on a journey of discovering why I do what I do and why I have the results that I have. Like understand that every gem and nugget, a new piece of understanding is not a justification to, to be hard on yourself. It's about being soft. Um, like women. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. So yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for the for the next chapter, and I'm curious. Why do you think women yearn to feel safe? <laughs> why do women yearn to yeah. feel safe? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fundamental biological need, and yeah. you know you think of it in this way, like if we're just if if it's a woman in the jungle and her purpose is to create. There's, but there's no structure for her to create inside of. It's just like tiger over there, and lion over there. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. not going to feel safe in her in her body, literally, to create. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like I, I believe that's probably like I just see, I just imagine that perspective. Like that's probably where what it comes down to. And, and one of the first things that I do with all of my clients. Let me just give you context here. Yeah. I believe we all do things or don't do things to feel a certain way or avoid feeling another way. And every single woman that I work with, we, we go through an exercise to identify their core emotional drivers and needs. And every single woman, every single time in their top two, one of them is safety. So I, I think it's just kind of the way it is. The only other, var- like the only one that varies is, is the second one. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's why. You know, well, um, it's exactly what you said. And I also love how you talk about creation in like a creative force. So many people get caught up in like women need to be home having a whole bunch of babies. And like, that's what creation means. But creation is like literally creating anything they want in their lives, which is so fundamental to so many women and um, them being able to accept masculine support in that way is so powerful. It's not just about making babies. I love that. And yeah, I think, you know, scientifically, I mean, our serotonin levels go up when we feel stability and safety. And then when we we feel our oxytocin levels as well, they go up when we feel that. So it's just all around this, like, both of those are needed to continue like a proper amount of estrogen in our bodies and just to feel like in balance. So scientifically, it's just like we were, ma- you know, we were made this way you know, our gatherer mentality. And so just like you said, it means that I can use my energy to create things that would not otherwise be created. It goes back to that energy thing. And I feel so down and just upset. And like, life is really not worth living when I can't create things. 
Yeah. And, and what you just shared reminds me of a joke from one of my favorite comedians. And he was like, men build and create stuff for women. Right. And he was like, you think when Edison now, I know there's like con some conflicting information about whether or not Edison was the true creator of the light bulb. But regardless, <laughs> people were like, you know, the, the, the joke was everyone was clapping for Edison. Like, oh, my goodness, you made light like you made electricity. But then he was like, yeah, but wait till these hoes see it. <laughs> right. And, 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 to, and to take it to take it a step further. It's like we want the we want the creative direction from women so that like we can go lead and build and, and, and do whatever. And then mm -hmm. it's like such a funny joke. But, but what you're saying is like, yeah, it's, it's about leaning back into that creative space and then accepting the support because we want we want the guidance and the wisdom. But then we also want to go do something with it. Oh, dude, this reminds me of I study this evolutionary psychologist, David Buss. He's awesome. Yes, he's he older is. man. Yeah, he's awesome. And so he had this one thing he said where he was like, the white man came to native lands and there was a meeting with an, a tribe he was referring to. And the white man was like, why are you warring? Like, why are you warring with that other tribe? And the, the native guy was like, for the women, of course, why do you go to war? He was like, oh, steal money. He was like, that sounds stupid to me. Like, why would you go to war for anything other than to protect women? Mm. It was like such a mind flip thing. So I believe that to be true. But it makes sense. Yeah. The reason I say why that makes sense is because anytime that I've really had a woman that I could take care of and nourish and, and, you know, be that masculine presence for my life always improves in every single way. You know, I tend to make more money. I tend to feel happier. I tend to experience more peace. Like it would make more sense to find a woman to partner with, and, and, mm -hmm. and, take, and take care of that and then watch everything else blow up. Mm, I think that's so powerful. And I think on a fundamental level, like I ask the men that I'm working with all the time, like we go through their goals, we go through their intentions. They're like the way they see themselves in 10 years. And I ask them actually what their greatest fear is. And every single one of them says to like die without a legacy, whether it be like for children, like creating children, whether it be to create a partnership with a woman that then creates a family for them. There's like this fundamental like desire there. That's like to just not have it have done anything to not have given to a woman to not have really given of myself to such a point that like, I'm done, I'm good. And it's so opposite to like the shit going on in culture right now. You know, what do you mean? Like, just this idea that, like, you know, everyone's talking about how marriage isn't worth it. It's not, like, none of that is worth it. Partnership isn't worth it. Casual sex all the time. It's just lots of, like, faux, lots of Band-Aids for the deeper things that people are feeling. Yeah, I can relate to that. I, I, I personally don't, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, like, a legacy, per se. Mm. Um, just because I know that. I mean, the odds of that legacy living on, you know, beyond a few generations, like this is so small, mm. you know, like, like, I don't even know my grandparents mm. or, or, or I mean, my great grandparents. I don't, I don't know them. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't, I don't know. Legacy is always like an interesting thing. The interesting thing to me to like anchor so far into the future that you cannot possibly comprehend just seems um, a little silly to me. 
What I am concerned with, though, and what is a fear of mine is like not having created any type of culture or structure while I was here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I Mm -hmm. while I was here. So like, it, you know, when I do have kids, what 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 I'm afraid of is like that they don't have a culture or they don't have a, you know, a strong sense of who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not not that that's anything about me. That's not about necessarily about me, but it about it's it's about them, you know. Mm. And I realize they're not going to get they're they're going to get that from a bunch of other places if it doesn't come from me. For sure, but I do think it's very powerful when it comes from dad, like self yeah. specifically self esteem. Like I think I was some of Gary V's videos have been like way more deep lately, which is nice. And he was talking about like parents are always asking him like what what are the strat what are the strategies for keeping kids focused and off social and not not getting distracted by all the mayhem. And he was just like, "You instilling self esteem. That's it. Like there's no oh strategy." <laughs> yeah, it's, it really makes it so simple though. Like that is the simplest way to put it. And I guess you you can't. Because kids, kids feel things. They, they don't really listen to what their parents say, but they definitely see what their parents do and how they be. Just like for, you know, based on what we're talking about here, when men and women respect and admire each other in partnership, that's also what builds self-esteem for kids. 100%. Because that, that respect and appreciation creates a certain emotional tone. Mm-hmm. And... You, you recognize this already and I totally have too, and I'm still recognizing it, but a, a lot of what we create in, in our adult life is just to match the same emotional tone that we experience when we're kids and we get so creative in how we go about maintaining that. For me personally, it's been with money. I've used money to create that same emotional tone uh, that I had with my mom growing up, which is like, ah, I'm doing a lot to get a little bit in return but that little bit that i get in return is like just enough Mm. but it's like all that she can manage you know and it's like okay oh my gosh i've made sixty thousand dollars this year just enough okay i've made a hundred thousand this year just enough okay oh my gosh we're like two okay but it's just enough like what the fuck you know, I can feel you so much. Like I did the same thing. I've done the same exact thing. For me, it sounded like you'll be fine. You'll make, yeah, you'll make just enough, but you'll make sure that like you get criticized along the way, every single step of the way, like criticize yourself, therefore acting like dad, right? Like dad was criticizing you when you were eight. Now you're just, you're your own daddy issues. You're like criticizing yourself all day. You're like doing, doing what he was doing. So it's like, you don't even need him around to do the same shit that he was doing. It's the same tone. Like you said. You don't. And like, I I often challenge people to ask themselves, like, if you spend like a week writing down your thoughts and highlight the ones that are, you know, negative thoughts or critical or judgmental thoughts, then ask yourself, like, whose voice does it really sound like? Mm. who does it remind you of and you're more it'll always point back to the a a caregiver figure from from childhood parents or otherwise a teacher you know like it's it's always some figure um back there and then we just hang we just carry it you know we take it on and we carry it for the rest of our lives because no one really provides the space or really challenges us to look at hey what 
what are the thoughts and beliefs that you're using as tools for your reality creation? How did you learn to use those tools that way? And are you open to maybe different tools, AKA thoughts and beliefs, you know, like, yes. Oh, the way you're talking about tone is super powerful. Number one, we, the very last thing added in our like human development was 40,000 years ago, which was language. We first started to, to speak. That was almost like an aftermarket ad. Like <laughs> we didn't have language for thousands and thousands of years. So actually our language pretty much sucks. We can't actually describe the way we feel about things. It, it's not good enough. And that's why I think writers are phenomenal because they are working on this in a more deep and intense way than anybody else. But what you're saying is something that I always have to, I love that you've said that because it makes, it clicks something in my mind. I'm always working with women though, in terms of like, listen, it's about feeling what's happening in your body versus trying to use your analytical mind of words to be in your head, to, to, to find the words for what's happening. Like, like, no, let's just be, let's just be present. Let's not, you know what I mean? Like, let's not try to like get, let's not try to get like the textbook out and the fucking DSM five out and be like, oh, I've got all of these words. Like, oh, yes. Yes. that's really beautiful. Oh man. And I think sometimes women, when they're not like present to that, they're trying to get lots of words out of men and it like doesn't work. You know, like I think men are actually pretty in tune when they can be to feelings and emotions. They just want to sit with them, though. They don't want to they don't have the words for them. And I think women try to a lot of times this is something that I've learned is like by needing to know. Sometimes you you block a man from going all the way in his mind, really processing things, really thinking about them for an extended amount of time, which I think men desire to do. We do. We do desire to do it. And and I feel, I feel in my experience, women stop that or blunt that or disturb that or interrupt that so they can just feel safe and in control because they can't deal with like the perceived uncertainty of what's going on in that, in that man's world. But it's like, listen, if you, if you create peace inside of yourself, I, I promise the, you'll, you'll get what you want. Oh, yeah, man. That's so true. And one of the funny things I learned from like studying Alison Armstrong, she's like, because men are singular focused, when men are talking, they pause, and they're thinking about what they're going to say. If you interrupt them, they're done. Like, they're not going to keep going with that thought, like you've interrupted the thought. Whereas we women just when we talk to each other, we're very like, we just like jump in all the time. Whereas men listen fully without jumping in. They just let the thought finish. And that's a really fundamental difference we've got to understand about each other. We do. Yeah. And whenever I'm in a men's circle, we always set the rule of like, never interrupt a man's process. No matter how long he's going or how long he's sitting, we will all just sit and wait. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. That's like a, there you go. Exhibit A. Wow. Wow. I've learned this in my life because as I've been doing that lately more and just being really quiet, sometimes I'll have an urge to jump in and I'm like, nope, and I just don't do it. I get so much more out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody listening, take notes. 
Yeah. yeah. The last 90 seconds of our conversation will transform the way anyone listening feels and experiences the relationship moving forward. Like that 90 seconds alone will save lives. I hope, I hope people really are paying attention. Oh, I love that. It will save lives. Seriously. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> yeah. I just like read this story about this like English woman who like went on vacation with her husband to Egypt and then this waiter was like looking at her and making her feel seen and she just like left her husband after 20 years and like went to go live with this Egyptian guy who was scamming her for her money actually but the point is is that she hadn't been looked at and obviously she's to blame too it's both of them not knowing these dynamics not knowing all this apparently they hadn't had sex in 10 years Mm. just a lot of a lot of couples so then it's like when a woman feels seen like that for the first time in a decade, it's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the blame goes on, on in both sides Absolutely. for sure. The first thing that comes to mind with that is a lot of women aren't even comfortable with being seen. So there's that. Uh, and and the other the other side of that is because they're not, when they're in relationship with the man, they can't make him feel seen. They don't feel seen. And so then there's just like, there's just no connection, you know? Right. That's huge, huge. Men want to feel seen too. Men want to feel acknowledged. The biggest thing I hear from, from men is just tell me I'm doing a good job once every once in a while, please. And from women, (laughs) it's just like, just look at me without being distracted every once in a while, please. Yeah, but it's like I can't look at you without being distracted because I'm trying to do all the things because I'm trying to figure out if it's what you like. <laughs> totally. What so what are the prereq like when someone doesn't feel safe enough to be seen and maybe can't even know that on a conscious level? What's the process? What's the journey? I feel it varies for everyone. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've seen is uh, I'll start the process by asking how do they typically receive compliments mm-hmm. and like, what are their favorite compliments? Mm-hmm. What are the compliments that they just kind of tune out, mm-hmm. you know, but like, how do you respond? Another way that I, you know, that I go about it is like, you know, when's the last time you looked at your naked body? And if you looked at your naked body recently, was there criticism? Was there judgment? Was there noise? So it's like you want this is now we're in codependency because you want me to give you things that you're like, you're not giving to yourself. <laughs> you're so right. You're just and so, so right. and I'm going to try to give it to you and you're not you're not even going to be able to receive it. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way or you're going to try. Nothing, yeah. nothing pisses me off more than when I'm trying to be intimate with a woman and I'm trying to praise her and 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 it's all genuine and it's all real and, and you can't receive it. I just get so turned off. I'm like, I'm not even, I don't even want to do this anymore. Uh, that however, is- however, however, if I'm in an intimate relationship with someone, like, we'll have that conversation and, and we'll figure out what it would take for you to, you know, but but that I'm, that's more of drawing from my, like, a different time in my life. I love it. Sid, <laughs> I love it. This just gets at, in my opinion, why men are so generous. Like, there is... This, again, a David Buss thing I listened to. The hunter who, like, killed the most game in the tribe 
yes, he was like raised to a higher status, but it's actually the hunter who was the most generous with his game that got the number one highest status in the tribe. So it was like this pillar of generosity and like giving. And I can see this in men. Like it's actually so fulfilling for men to give in that way, to praise, to, to, to show up. And women, we've, our, our wounds are just so masculine over the last 40, 50 years that we've been told we can't receive, that we have to work really hard. And that's where it comes from, I think. I feel, you know, from my perspective, I feel it's it's what you're told. Yeah. It's 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 also just like what you've experienced mm -hmm. because because there's a lot of men who haven't been able to give mm. and provide, which has left a lot of women having to do it for themselves. Mm. You know, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it, you know, yes. Yeah. And, and that's why we have to really come together on these things. Yeah, we've got we've got to come together. I mean, I have this like I've been doing a lot of research on just like the root causes of things and like how we can go into being like true true friends, like teammates. Like we're not on different teams. We're on the same team. We just play different positions. Like how do we treat each other from that point of view? And I really think like you know, when women started making bullets and just making all the things that we needed during World War II when the men were gone, I think they got a feeling of like what it feels like to do something important. And then when the men came back, they were like, oh, yeah, like, well, going back to the way things have been, like, it's been working. There was all this propaganda around, like, the men are the ones that, like, made you stay home. The men are the ones that are, like, they kept you from all these important tasks, you know, but it's just not true. This is not how it went down. I think like, you know, it's just, it's the way it was. It was, it was partnership. And now we've got to like change the, the, the variables of our partnership. We're not like 1950s anymore. Right. We don't need yeah. those types of roles, but like, what's our new partnership? And hey, be careful. Oh, Some extreme feminists are about to come kick in your door right now. I'm <laughs> be dragged off the screen like <laughs> i'm telling you i am such a feminist in so many ways i want my fullest expression of my identity to be felt every single day and i uh, want all of that but i don't want it to come at the expense of masculine men that i love yeah so i guess like in this new world in this new world of how maybe how do you see partnership between men and women in the future now soon I'm not so sure how I see it in the future, because quite frankly, uh, in America, in the Western society that we live in, I just feel like it's fucked. Like, that's just my honest opinion. So I'm really concerned with, like, what's happening in-house over here, like with yeah. me and, and my house. Right? Like, I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> you know, but... Yeah. But with that being said, I feel, I mean, I think it just, I'm not saying that it's hopeless, but when you've got someone like Andrew Tate as the most searched, looked up person on the internet, I think it really just says a lot about where we're at, you know, and, and I don't, I don't necessarily see it getting any better. So I just don't. So go ahead, <laughs> but, but like, let me say, I'll just kind of share what I desire for it to Please. look and feel like for the, for the people around 
me and this and this will kind of tie into why I think men and women coaching together is like you know powerful but like not just coaching together but like being in relation together is it's like masculine energy provides boundaries and it provides protection to the internal chaos that is a part of creation right from 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 the from the feminine perspective yeah okay and and so when a woman is in her feminine to be able to access that there's just so much wisdom and so much love and and so much creation that can be manifested in the midst of that chaos and so to create powerfully in the world together we need both of these forces together and that safety from the man can more or less start to form like a model for women in terms of having the protection from like the self sabotage that will show up while she's in the process of creating. And that's what I want in my house. And that's what I'm creating in my house. And that's what you'll experience when you come into my coaching. Sid, I just need to take a second. Because what you've just done is you've demonstrated for everybody listening what safety and protection looks like in 2022 versus 100 years ago. It's this emotional safety that we've been missing in the West from men. I think indigenous men have had it. I think tribal leaders had it. There was a very deep partnership between the patriarch and the matriarch in those societies. In the yeah. West, we've, we've, we've been missing it because of the denigration of the feminine. And so what you're speaking to is this really beautiful opportunity for masculine integration into the emotional um, and, and leadership. Because women are the ones that seem to be like leading relationships only because they're more willing to talk about emotions. Yeah. But I, I don't see it working. And it works the way that you just described it. No, it might work to an extent. It will likely expire, though, because the man, the essence of who he is, is, is just going to fizzle out. And the woman is just going to be like alone. Mm. It, it, it's not it's not going to, to work out. And that creative force is just going to create destruction, you know, for herself. It so. has like we have an exhibit. A, it hasn't worked out. The divorce rates in this country, like it hasn't worked. So, wow, yeah. I think that's beautiful. Now, for me personally, I, again, I know there's a lot of conflicting opinions about this. And I'll say, though, it, I, I would not have been able to step into my masculine power if it wasn't for powerful feminine women who are way ahead of the curve. You know what I mean? So that's also why I just feel so, you know, like it's so necessary to take care of women because it's it's been in relationship with women that I've healed and have become so powerful. Mm. And so I know that we need spaces for men. Like, I know that we need that. However, I just feel... If we're going to apply the 80-20 rule, it seems to make the most sense to really take care of and look after and, and pour into our women. 
in, and in particularly women of color, because black women in particularly, not like not not to take away from from black trans women, but just just black women in in general are are the most disrespected, you know person in our society as it stands right now so i'm like let's start there and like let's work our way out to women in general and we would all be so much better off that's just my that's just my opinion and that's been my personal experience and i've not worked with a woman whose house becomes better as a result of the work that she's doing with herself now am i trying to absolve men of their responsibilities, absolutely not. I'm not trying to do that. That's not what I'm saying. Like, let's push the blame off into the women. The women will take care of it and get our house together. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is back to what you were saying before with the power that women have with their energy. If, if we can come together to nourish that and, and really pay attention to that and, and revere that for what it is, the house will become better. And not just because of the woman, but because of what the woman uh, will wake up in the man. Mm. And yes, that's my, that's my, I love it. You know, one of my favorite things that I've heard recently is, um, men are super valuable, but women are priceless. What's the difference? Yeah. And men can become more and more and more valuable as the more they work on themselves, the more that they like clean up the house, the more that they protect, the more that they expand all of these things. But women are are priceless and they have been since birth. And it's just about having women tap into their energy like you're talking about. Yeah. But we're all afraid of that, you know? We're all afraid we're of afraid. that. We're, we're, we're afraid of it. So I mean I can men, I can say have, all this and it sounds nice, but we're afraid of it. I mean, men have literally killed each other over women. So there's gotta be something there, huh? We're just we've been scared of it. I love everything you said super bravo like support everything you said and it just also helps me say like that's why it's so important for all of us to kind of like wake up go through these journeys and like do what what feels right to our souls like why you were put on this earth like why you were born the work that you're doing the deep passion you feel for black women i think is so moving and so needed and it's like a disservice to the world for you to not fully own that and it's just really meaningful and I'm super in awe of, of that. And thanks for sharing it that way because it's really powerful and I like support that fully. And I'll be really transparent inside of the journey that is unfolding inside of me. I used to only work with black women and that's not the case anymore. I had a lot of issues with white women and my mom is white. Mm. I just, there was just like a lot of issues there. Mm. And I've also been looking at what does it mean for me to place so much emphasis on the idea of this is how black women are treated? And I'm like, if we just keep giving emphasis to that idea, I, I don't believe that it's empowering. I believe it's actually disempowering, yeah. but also know that like, I can't say that necessarily in certain situations mm -hmm. and in contexts. It's, it's a very nuanced thing. So that's where I'm at with it. But, but also where I'm at with it is like helping all women understand like, yes, there are these, these things that, that, that contribute to, you know, your oppression. Yes. However, you have to be an active participant inside of it. And I just truly believe that when it comes down to, to women being in a space of creation, 
they can create a lot better context for them to exist in, in situations and in constructs and et cetera, for them to exist in that are better than anything that we have right now. So it's like, how do we, how do we respect and validate the experience that we've had while also saying, yes, however, can we create a new experience? And we, we, we will not be able to create that if we give so much attention mm-hmm. to this old experience. And so I'm, I'm still, that's still unfolding in, in, inside of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, I hear you. I mean, it's very simple in, in one way in that, like, the more you say something is occurring, the more it's going to occur. It's just always the way it happens. Oh, God, I keep attracting all these unavailable guys. Well, it's going to keep happening over and over again. So it's just anything you say like that. Oh, I, I just can't seem to make more than 100K a year. Like every year, I just can't seem to. And if you just, if we keep doing that, like black women are the most mistreated women on the planet. If we keep doing that, we just keep doing that. And so I get where you're right. coming from. I do. Yeah. And, and, and it's it's tough because you I mean you will see it over and over and over yeah. and over again yeah so it's like yeah <laughs> not not taking away from that however where do you want the power to reside at the end of the day like do you want it to reside within you are you aware of how much that you have yeah or do you do you want to you know basically give it away I I think it's better. This is just my opinion, but I think it's better to go to war with these things to recognize your power and, and, and then watch all of these things that you thought were holding you back lose mm. and fade away. So beautiful. However, yeah. that's a lot of personal responsibility and that's a whole other conversation, but we don't really like that. We, we live in a pandemic of entitlement versus a pandemic of, of personal responsibility. So that's like a whole other conversation. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I hear you. That's, that's where I'm at. I love that. No, I hear you. Personal responsibility. That's a huge one. Like what's the balance of personal responsibility and community and how do we do both at once? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. I think that's the crisis in our country for sure. I will say like when you just were talking about, you know, just the creating containers for women and making spaces for women to rise up and kind of do the thing that that wonderful woman that you started this conversation did for you. It's amazing. For me to be able to share with you, like I would never have found my power if it wasn't for a man kind of creating a corrective experience for me, a corrective dad experience for me, and just being able to sit in, wow, I, it's okay if I cry. It's okay if I, if I'm just kind of weird and crazy. And I say like 18 weird things all at once and I have no reason, rhyme or reason. Like, it's okay that I'm that way. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to pull away or try to make logic and reason out of all the things that are coming out of my mouth. And you're just going to be here with me. Yeah. And you're, and you're just going to support me and help me. And, and you're going to tell me, how, you know, you're going to give me your opinion when I ask for it. But otherwise, you're just going to look at me like I'm amazing. And you're not doing it so you can sleep with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> not doing it so you can sleep with me. Exactly. And it's just it's really powerful what I see with men. And I will say just to quickly touch on Andrew Tate, like I've been watching a lot of Andrew Tate content lately. I just, I want to formulate a really solid opinion and I've been watching it and thinking about it and listening. And I found one hole in his whole argument. And I think that's kind of what I want to like 
wrap my mind around where the root cause of like his behavior comes from. And first of all, I think he's got some kernels of truth about emasculinization. I got that. He's right in a lot of those aspects. He brings this like Genghis Khan, like warlord energy that is just like, we will have this polygamist world and like men are about making shit happen and women are about this. And he just, I think he just brings that. And I think men are missing heroes and like fighters and like big heroes in the world. Like we're missing those guys out in our culture. But I do think he said one thing that just has me thinking, I'm curious your thoughts. He keeps talking about how much he respects and admires his dad because his dad was this like big time chess player, married his mom, and his mom was okay with the fact that he just slept with women. He just was never home and he slept with whoever he wanted whenever he wanted. And that's what a man does. And that's okay. I didn't need my dad around because that's not what he needs to be doing. He needs to be out like playing chess and sleeping with women. And I think fundamentally, again, it's a dad conversation. No dad. He's super resentful of, of not having his dad around and he's covering it up by all the shit that he talks. <laughs> That's kind of what I've come to. Yeah. And, and I'm looking into his dad right now as well. And his parents got divorced. So I was like, okay, Andrew. Uh, so that's what I was, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Did this work? Did this like kind of polygamist kind of energy work for you, for them? It didn't. Yeah. It didn't work. And his dad was a veteran that I'm seeing. So there's already some tarnishing that probably happens to his ability to confront things, mm. which is probably why he was always with women. Because mm. it kept him from having to confront things that he probably dealt with. In the military oh yeah. yeah it's all a bunch of crap yeah he just needs a hug from his dad <laughs> he just needs a hug from his dad <laughs> oh man i love that oh gosh it's so beautiful this has been such a beautiful conversation do you have any last thoughts around what women or men want in life i've got lots of thoughts but with that being said, I feel like we've covered so much in this conversation. There's I so much too. to go, so much to go look at and, and really think about. And I hope that people do. I know that I will. I love it. I've had a wonderful time talking to you. I've learned so much from you. And thank you for your presence and your energy. It just makes me smile and feel awesome. And it's just a testament to who you be. So thank you. Oh, appreciate that. Thank you. Catch you guys later. And we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>